Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I just want to let everybody know it's important that you understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's really important to understand that because your brand is different and their brand is different. And each one of you face challenges in life that are different. So stop reading other people's success stories, really, and start writing your own. Start developing your plan of activation. Because you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals. But it's through your planning and your effort that you're going to make it. It's through your dream. It's your dream. I can't. My dream is not your dream. Okay. Understand that. And you'll get there a lot quicker. My next guest is Justin Dawkins. He most recently launched and served as managing partner for Collab Capital, an investment firm that focuses on providing black entrepreneurs to social, human, and financial capital. Can I repeat that? The social, human, and financial capital they need to build profitable businesses. Their goal is to help solve the growing racial wealth gap in America. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. Long time, my friend, Justin Dawkins. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Rashad. It's I great to see you. I had to make you, that little pivot in the long. chair, you know, so I can really, really look at you right quick, you know, because <laughs> we're in the pandemic here, man. The racial gap, we gotten further apart. Unemployment got further apart. And uh, the COVID-19 has made us to be, and we've been victimized by our health and our, whether it's our past bad health habits, but COVID-19 has really attacked the black community and the community of color. So how do we come out of this? Because you said by the year 2053, the medium network for black households will be zero. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's start with, with the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 was a wake up call for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it was an opportunity. You were forced to sit down, you know, as my grandmother would say, and some of my elders would say, um, if you don't if you don't rest, if you don't sit down, your body will sit you down. Yes. And that to me is what what black America has experienced um, and a lot of other communities within the country. Uh, and it's exacerbated. It's highlighted and illuminated what has already been. Uh, bad or wrong or where there were disparities, we were seeing it more. Uh, and uh, I think now is the time to be hyper intentional. I, I think your your intro was eloquent and elegant and poignant. And it mm-hmm. was, you got you to establish these dreams. You got to start with uh, baby steps, smart goals, you know, take those big dreams and break them down into pieces, things that we can manage and, and do. Um, but that's what, that's where it starts for me going forward for 2021 for black entrepreneurs and innovators right. is take those big grand ideas, break them down into smart goals and, and get to work. Well, you know, that, 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 that keyword get to work, you know, and so it's been an interesting year because as, as you move forward, you know, it's not the pandemic has almost put like everybody on a new welfare system because everybody's been asking for a handout. Everybody's been complaining that, you know, they, they, they can't find a job that they want, maybe the job that they need, because in the end, you want to be able to do something that makes you happy. You know, that's why we become entrepreneurs. We generally left jobs that we didn't feel satisfied in and start relying on our own personal skills. What is the motivating factor for 2021 for African-Americans to to change the game for themselves? I think the, the primary motivating factor is uh, taking into taking our own destiny uh, and putting it in our own hands. Right. I think we've I think we've looked for other communities and other people whether that be politicians, whether that be more affluent people, mm-hmm. uh, we've always looked to them to figure it out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that was one of the greatest lies ever told right. uh, is that at the end of the day, um, you've got to, you know, pull yourself up. You do have to um, uh, be wary of those that promise things. So we do have to be mindful of that and look out for the traps. But ultimately, 
Um, we have to center ourselves on on our goals and what we want to accomplish as a people and as right. a collective. And I think that's important. Well, it's so much important. Here's the interesting thing. That's why I get annoyed when people give millennials a bad rap. They always say millennials want to skip steps, you know. Well, guess what? You know, when you looked at me growing up, because I'm older than you, you know, I was I was somewhat hindered. I was told to play a certain role in life, to to be yeah. a certain person that, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't even pitched to me, wasn't even thought of in my process. You know, I came from the hood. That was pretty, mm-hmm. I, my number one goal was just to get out the hood. You know, then when I got <laughs> my degree, I was supposed to get married and then I was supposed to settle down and be happy at a corporation. Millennials don't think that way. They uh, they believe in mentors. They believe in skipping steps if possible. What's wrong with skipping a step? If somebody can show you, you can avoid that. That's what uh, mentorship is all about. Talk about the bad rap that millennials get because they have more access to tech. They have more access to the clear understanding of social media, a better understanding of marketing, and a better understanding of what an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is not just a, it's bigger, than, it's more than just a running a business. It's running a brand. Yeah. Uh, I think the the biggest thing, and I think you hit the nail on here, we I'm a millennial. I'm at the very, <laughs> very beginning of it. Uh, and uh, we get a bad rap um, because we don't we're not necessarily uh, we're not aware of where we actually fit right. in in the spectrum of time and influence. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right. We we are the, the very first generation and the last generation in some ways. Right. So we were the, the last generation to understand what analog meant. Right. We, we were born analog, grew up digital. Right. So we fit in this really interesting space to where we know what a cassette tape is and a VCR is. But we also understand streaming content, Netflix and DVD and, and, mm-hmm. and digital streaming. Right. We understand both of these worlds right. and mm-hmm. how those two things mm-hmm. eventually came together. And so the, the bad rap is we n- none of us have ever been here before. Right. Right. <laughs> and. What, what wisdom is supposed to do, the, the purpose of wisdom is to be transferred. That's what wealth is all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's about having something to transfer. And one of the things we don't, uh, we don't necessarily give enough credit for or give enough value to is information, right? Is the things that we learn. And millennials have just done a great job, in my opinion, right. my humble opinion, mm-hmm. of taking the lessons that we've learned, whether intentionally from our from our elders or unintentionally, and applied it to what it, the lives that we want to live and the things that we want to create. To me, that is the the greatest wealth generation or wealth uh, practice that we have actually been able to transfer from generation to generation. And I think that's a great place to start to continue to build in other areas. Well, you know, it's really interesting when you was talking about, you know, you was born in the analog and, you know, I grew up in the A-track, you know, <laughs> A-track and the, uh, the, the uh, rotary dial telephone and then push, then touch tone. You know, I was like, oh, Lord, we can, we can press numbers now, baby. Come on now. And But the last yeah. 12 years when you've seen the uh, the iPhone come out, you know, we've seen technology just, you know, I, I think that's that's it's warp speed. I guess you could use the terminology because of the fact that, you know, you can do you know, the CD came out. Then it's basically outdated because of streaming. OK, so right. right now, you know, the streaming services have told you, why do you need the CD player? Why do you need to buy CDs? And so it has changed the music game because you have more and more, more independent artists. They use their social media to drop their own sales and things like that. And so that technology, man, you know, I'm looking at Collab Capital. Talk about mm-hmm. in this new era, you know, because 
trying to do what you're trying to do when I was growing up may not have been possible, but you can do it now. Talk about the whole basis and the reason that 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 company was founded. Yeah, uh, I love telling our story. Uh, Collab Capital uh, was birthed out of uh, three good friends who started their companies around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my tech startup uh, in 2012. Jewel Burke Solomon, she started hers in 2012. And, and Barry Gibbons, our third partner, uh, who really is the brainchild of bringing us together. Right. Uh, he started his business around the same time. So about six months, we were all starting our, our business in a very young uh, tech entrepreneurial city. Right. Atlanta 12, uh, 12 years ago, or excuse me, eight years ago was mm-hmm. uh, just a, what do we call like a fledgling tech hub. Like mm-hmm. we were just starting to form. Mm-hmm. And uh, we realized that as we were building our businesses, uh, it would have been great to have a greater community and connectivity to those that could write checks, right? So investors, um, those that could be our customers um, for our, our ventures uh, and really the right talent. And so we realized that as we were growing our businesses, that when we exited those businesses and we were to whatever height uh, level of success, we wanted to make sure that the next group of tech, you know, innovators, tech entrepreneurs, brand builders, they actually had some shoulders to stand on. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to start where we started. Um, they were able to start where we left off. And right. so we built Collab Capital to be uh, a bridge for as far as you know, knowledge, social capital and financial capital to help um a lot of early stage ventures and innovators um, avoid some of the traps um, and some of the things that they're likely going to run into, but then also uh, to catalyze more of the communities to get behind some of the brands and the companies that they're building. So that was kind of the the, the quick abridged version, but that's, that's at the epicenter of why we do what we do. Okay. Let me just read this one. I read the, the team announced the launch of creating the largest fund for black founders in June. June of this year. Collab is an entity founded to support black owned businesses in a way that would create and sustain wealth within the black community. I ask you this, and this is an honest question. What is the black community? Is it a neighborhood or is it people? Is it a movement? What is the black community? That's a great question. Uh, I wish I had like a, a more eloquent answer. Um, I will say that, you know, when I, when I think about black, I think about the diaspora and mm-hmm. particularly uh, the portion that's here on this continent, right? That's in America. Uh, many of us are descendants of um, slaves in one way or another, um, or um, another form of immigration. Right. Uh, so, uh, not another form of immigration or immigration. This mm-hmm. slavery is not a form of immigration. Right. To be clear, not even um, gentle service. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, uh, when I think about black, I think about um, the the mindset, and I think about the community. I think about a group of people uh, that. Uh, was weren't given much, and yet we still have to find a way and make a way, uh, and um, that is at the epicenter. Uh, and then from there, it obviously fragments and, and becomes a little bit more diverse depending on, you know, where you were able to do that. So right. the the southern um, black individual is going to be have a different mindset than the northern black individual, but we're still a part of a, a greater community of folks who are who are connected uh, by blood, right. honestly. Um, in a, in a very unique way. And we're, we're challenged and charged to um, continue to find a way to move forward despite that, that history. You know, the reason I ask that from a financial standpoint, 80% of the banks that have closed in the country have closed in black neighborhoods. That's a black yeah. neighborhood. That's why I talk about community. Now we're going to go back to the black neighborhood where, where, 
where if that's what we're talking about, how does one invest in a black neighborhood uh, to uplift? You know, we always hear these terminology creating jobs in the black community. That's why I was saying, what, what, because there's a difference between a community, which can be fluid, and a neighborhood, mm-hmm. which is an actual physical location. Absolutely. Now, I'm talking about the neighborhood, the trying to change the game, trying to create um, taxable properties, whether it's a uh, uh, putting properties in there can be taxed, which in turn will give you better educational system, give you city service systems and things like that. Generally, what happens is white people do that. They come back in the black neighborhood, they upgrade it and they say, hey, black people, you got to roll. Or the taxes get too high that they're forced to roll. So when when, when you collab came on board, what are you, what is the ultimate goal? Because you said, like I said, by the year 2053, the medium net it worked for black households was zero. How do you get to that number in 2053 so it won't be zero? Yeah, well, we recognize that. That's a great question. We, we recognize that we are we are um, one pillar of a of a multi tenant mm-hmm. institution that we need to build. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not just about financial capital to innovators. We recognize that there needs to be. Uh, grassroots efforts. There needs to be neighborhood initiatives. We need to uh, continue to fight for political representation so that laws can favor um, favor black businesses and black communities. Right. Um, for for us, uh, when we think about the local neighborhood, we think about um, Main Street. Right. We talk about Main Street and Wall Street all the time, um, especially during COVID. That's been a, a topic of conversation quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we we focus on with Main Street is the digitization, right? Like how how are these businesses going to continue to compete in a world with Amazons and Ubers and Lyfts and all these other technologies uh, seemingly disrupting their flow and operations? How do they how do we make sure that those businesses are digital? And what are the new businesses that are going to come out of this this digital world? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about Main Street, I think I reimagine Main Street being filled with innovators that mm-hmm. are building products and brands. They are still able to employ. All right. Mm-hmm. They still um, um, influence property values. And hopefully there are, these are neighborhoods and communities that are owned by black people. And right. I think that's the that's the big, big piece is our part, you know, our small part, along with what black banks can do, along with um, other high net worth individuals, real estate people. Uh, it's all in concert. It's, it's all a part of it. But if we do it well. Uh, we'll be able to put some cornerstones with some black innovators building great businesses that can employ people from the neighborhoods, uh, recent college grads, um, et cetera, um, and, and really start to build neighborhoods uh, from the from the people up again. The neighborhood, you know, really interesting. You know, I, I come from uh, originally born in Houston, Texas. Fifth Ward was my neighborhood. You know, and uh, now they put a giant freeway through there. That was always the sign. Okay, let's be real. The white people are coming. Once they once they put interstate through your neighborhood. That means they have ramps they can get off. They didn't build that because it was for us because that neighborhood was there before they built the interstate. That means they're creating right. traffic flow. That means they eventually uh, the people who are playing these homes, they may be 50000 100000 That property value might go up to fifty, one hundred and fifty to 300000 which means that those communities that weren't prepared for that elevation in taxes will be disenfranchised again. And so right. when I when I look at uh, what you're trying to do, your partners, what is the ultimate goal to protect the black community or the black neighborhood? Let me just say, not say black community. What is the ultimate goal to protect the black neighborhood? Because we say a lot of great things, Justin. You know, we say uh, trying to create uh, jobs. You know, we're trying to create uh, uh, infrastructure where you don't have to go out of your neighborhood to generate revenue. That's good in theory, because but uh, black neighborhoods aren't built like that. 
They are built for buildings that have multiple layers of stories. You know, they mm-hmm. usually maybe two stories at the most. And so how do we protect the black neighborhood? Uh, how should I say, I'm putting it on you. How does Collab Capital capital protect the black neighborhood? Great question. Oh man, you hit me with the, you hit me with the heavy ones, but I ain't mad. I ain't mad. I love it. Well, um, you know, I'm gonna just tell you something. I can only hit you because I know who you are, and I, I true respect what you're trying to do. But it's and because when you and I'm so at the front of this whole, you know, whether it's Greenwood and Killer Mike and whether it's you know, I see what Cash App is doing. Technology is telling you now we're in a mobile world. We don't yeah. you don't need the bank in the neighborhood anymore. But you need to bank with technology. And that's what you guys are doing right now. That's why I'm hitting you with these questions, because I'm just letting people know that there's a different communications out there that we need to understand. There's a black community and there's a black neighborhood. Now, the black community is going to get right first. Now, that black neighborhood is going to continue to struggle until we get the technology accepted in the black neighborhood. That's right. And that, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when it comes to protecting the black neighborhood, it all starts with knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. It starts with information and we have to be um, open minded. I think one of the things that we, uh, we we've done over the over the years as a people is sometimes we are apprehensive to accept technology. You know, we we don't we don't trust it for various various reasons, real right. reasons. Um, but I think that there's an opportunity as, as long as we have equity and parity within ownership of technology, the more technology that we are building and we own. Uh, then we can start to build those lines of trust and threads. We don't have to rely on the Facebooks of the world. We don't have to rely on the Instagrams or the Twitters mm-hmm. of the world to determine, you know, our financial outcomes and, and the voices and the things that we want to see represented. If we own those technologies, um, we're invested in those technologies, then we can influence um, how those things are, um, grow, how they're built and how they grow and are prevalent and present in our communities. So. Uh, knowledge transfer is the very first thing. We have to we have to be open to it. We have to be open to exploring and learning, and then we have to get into a position, a place where we actually own some of it. Cool. Now the question I got to got to do this interview right. They're gonna say, how do we get in touch with you? You know, when you say something like providing black founders with both social and economic capital they need to scale, how does one gain access, or is it something that one fills out an application, one can go online? What exactly is Collab Capital? Yeah, so we we are a a highly visible and highly accessible investment fund. Um, we we do focus on Black innovators, so we are looking for technologies uh, in the future of work. Um, so think think about uh, how people will work in the future, uh, future of care. So how people will care for themselves and how we will care for each other, um, in the future of education, right? Mm-hmm. How we will learn. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, our primary areas. But we're happy to talk to founders across. Um, various verticals and industries, particularly ones that we may not be aware of. So right. we're always curious. <laughs> um, how people get in touch with us is, um, like I said, we're e- pretty easy to find. Um, it's collab.capital is our website where you can mm-hmm. learn more about our mission, um, our team and what we're building. Uh, and if, you were, if you're interested, if you have a company, uh, there's a few different forms and ways, mm-hmm. uh, links on that website. You can, you can reach out to us and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Um, we also have social media handles. So we're on Instagram at collab. Uh, collab.capital on Instagram mm-hmm. and um, on Twitter as well. So if you just search for collab, it's a, you'll see three rings. The three rings is our, <laughs> our, um, our logo. And so we're easy to find. And uh, we're always happy to talk to 
innovators and those that are you know interested in helping black innovators succeed. Well, I know, I, you know, like I said, it was great. I wanted to get you on because I didn't saw you in a long time, but I want to bring your other two partners back on, you know, in the first quarter so we can just talk about it. Because that's really key. You know, they've just signed off on and gotten the, uh, you know, the new uh, pandemic financial package rolling. And so yep. a lot of people won't be, hopefully won't be thrown out of their homes and will not be due all these code of our benefits they gave them, you know, delaying the rental, rental payment, delaying your financial taxes from your payroll checks. All that is coming due. And so in the first of the year, that first quarter, we're going to need you. Not so much lending, but just giving advice because it goes back to what I'm saying is that I'm just letting everybody know there's a black community and there's a black neighborhood. And we yep. need to understand that conversation when we're talking about how do we change the way we walk. The black community can be changed. It's the black neighborhood that's still struggling. The black community is actually coming out of the black neighborhood and also understands the value of social media, understand the value of change, understanding how to pivot. You go to a black neighborhood, it's the same black neighborhood. Violence is there. You know, limited job opportunities there. There's a, an inability to understand that that there, there are goals outside of that black neighborhood. And so that's where I really uh, applaud you and what you're trying to do. And that's why I want to bring the three of you back on the show in the first quarter. So, you know, we can really, we, we got to get people black, vaccinated. You know, black people have a concern about getting vaccinated. You know, I, I have a concern. I'm just going to throw it off on black people. Okay, Rashawn McDonald's concerned, okay? When I see a lady <laughs> faint on TV, okay? <laughs> you know, right. okay, will that be me fainting? Or will I faint and not get back up? Okay, I have the right to say that when you have not given a peer, a test period to say this is, a, a, and usually to, to turn something around. And I knew you had to turn it around quickly. And that's why I'm glad we have options here. You know, a Pfizer came out, uh, Test uh, and now we got uh, Moderna, the Moderna coming out now with a with this drug, and the third one's coming out. AstraZeneca is coming out. So when I come back, we're gonna have a different world that we're talking into. We, have a, we should have a run of vaccinations. People will will hopefully be still in the level of confidence because they would have gotten that three hundred dollar a week check. They would have gotten the right. They would have gotten that six hundred dollar a week, six hundred dollar uh, a stimulus check which was cut down from $1,200 to $600. The $600 a week check was cut down to $300. So you're getting half of what you got when they shut us down. But I think that's all right because guess what? We're not shutting down. We're moving forward. And I think, and I think that's what you're doing right now. My whole thing in talking to you, Justin, it was bringing you on the show just to talk about your brand. See that? See, I always like your style. You got that smooth little, you know, little, I want to say that Marvin Gaye. You're the Marvin Gaye of uh, financials, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, you know, you, you got that that tone. I always love about you. You got that right tone, and uh, and it's, it's a it's a it's a bedside tone. You know, if I if I if you were a doctor, and you came in, and you, you 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 treat me right because you let me know the facts, but you you have a, a settling voice to let me know that you can still be a participant, and that's really what this is all about. My conversation with you is letting people know that if you don't get the facts, you don't get the information, you don't talk to the right people, then you're going to continue to struggle. Isn't that the bottom line, Justin? That's it. Uh, that that's that's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Well, and I appreciate the compliment. I, I've never been told I have good bedside manner, um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, I, I am happy to continue to to teach. Um, I come from a long line of teachers. Uh, my mother's side of the family is is, a, is a, a large family of teachers, and so I feel it's my responsibility. You know, as, as I continue to learn to share that knowledge, and yeah, I'm happy to continue to uh, to do that for our for our community and for our people. 
Cool. Well, my man, you know, I've already told you, first quarter, bringing all three of you guys on. We're going to sit down, have a round table, talk about the future of Black America, Black neighborhoods, and also where, where CLAP Capital stands at that point moving forward in 2021. But again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's good to see you. And uh, yeah, I'll be by soon, real soon. Absolutely, my friend. You got to. Got to. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. <laughs>